The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife. Save the environment. Save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and almost Happy New Year. I was a bit at odds today as to what to talk about. I didn't want to be a voice of doom and gloom, but I'm also having a bit of a hard time finding really great news to share. I know it's out there, but in my line of work, what I tend to get more is the headlines and links of the things that are going wrong out there. So uh, today, what I'd like to do is, I guess that's the point. Every day, every year, every moment, we are on the brink of a new day, a new year, and we have the ability and possibility to be astonished. So today, I'm not quite sure where the show is going to go. I've put together a collaboration or a montage of different thoughts and notes and hopefully uh, some ideas and some upcoming news of where we're going to go in 2014. The end of 2013 seems like a very welcome moment for many people that I've spoken to. It seems that 2013 has been a very difficult year. We reached a lot of high water marks and a lot of benchmarks, and we reached a lot of low marks too. So perhaps the only way to go is up from here and to move forward. But to move forward, it's going to take all of us to join together and redefine and reassign how we decide to live on this blue ball, the only blue ball in our universe that we know of that carries life as we know it. And it is such an abundance of life. So what I feel a lot of times is that we are forgetting this connection that we have to this blue ball. In today's world, we have ramped it up. We are surrounded by things. Uh, I went Christmas shopping on New Year's Eve, which was probably a really silly thing to do. But at the same time, I noticed that there were a lot of people out there going through the motions. And uh, walking through the aisles, I went to Walmart, of all places, which I usually avoid, like... um, I just usually avoid it. I was going to say like the plague. But what I noticed is this sense of desperation, Uh, not only in the shoppers there, but a mood of 
that going through the motions, that there is so much stuff out there, and uh, the advertising and the loudspeakers and everything that is going on, every moment of our waking day seems to be filled with multitasking, email, uh, iTunes, the web, TV, business, as we sit in our cube or as we drive in the car. There doesn't seem to be much time to slow down and contemplate. And I think that's one of the, going to be one of the big changes that we're going to need to find and head toward for 2014. So here we are at the brink, the closing chapter of another year of life on Earth. A process that's been going on longer than we humans have been counting time. Millennia of endings and beginnings. This living planet has turned for billions of years. We have been here for but a mere blip on the cosmic scale, yet our presence has proven out to be the keystone upon which the future of Earth and our future will be built or torn asunder. By our every action, we are deciding, intentionally or unintentionally, and therein lies our conundrum, what this earth will be. In fact, we have lived to see the naming of a new epoch, the Anthropocene. This is the name given acknowledging our chronological occupation of earth. The term, coined by ecologist Eugene Stormer and popularized by Nobel Prize winning atmospheric chemist Paul Crutzen, serves to mark in history the evidence and extent that human activities have had a significant global impact on Earth's systems. We have impacted all of them, land, sea, air, animal, vegetable, and mineral, and everything in between, including us. So, how big or small do we make our footprint going forward? We know how big it is now. We're learning how big it is now, that it's huge. It's bigger than anything we ever imagined it could possibly be, and that that footprint is stomping out the life around us. We know our footprint is not working out so well for us. It's not going well, and that we have to make radical changes. If you read the news, and if you pay attention to the headlines... It's out there. I don't know how we can possibly say, I didn't know. I didn't know this was happening. But yet, every day, I do encounter people that say, oh, man, I didn't know elephants were dying uh, at, at such rates. I didn't know that rhinos were on the brink of extinction. So, that tells me something. That tells me that we're living in a very small, personal world, that we are so full of the things that we have to do that we've accelerated time that this multitasking is taking so much of our energy and focus that we're forgetting to remember that we are part of something much bigger. What we do have is at every moment a brand new opportunity at hand to grow up, face the music, dig in, and get busy cleaning house. We can clean up our act and our world and build a future that works for sustaining not just our lives, but the life that we depend upon, the lives of all other living beings and things who share this creation with us in a manner that is sustainable, equitable, and respectful. If you think about it, it's amazing that we're here at all and the astonishing array of life that abounds and surrounds us. All you have to do is look at natural history television for one or two hours and it's 
astonishing. But part of the problem with this kind of programming is that it separates us from the world. We've gotten uh, technology and an ability to get closer and closer and deeper and deeper into places in nature that we have never been before. It is astonishing to learn of all the amazing array and uh, forms of life out there. But also, as we go deeper and deeper and cut and blaze new trails, we are opening up areas that were never open to us before. That can prove to be some dangerous ground if we do not tread lightly, if we don't decide to start thinking about what we can do and what we should do and have the wisdom to know the difference and apply what works for everybody, not just for ourselves. Uh, The life that surrounds us, we're just one example. Contemplate the numerous landscapes that we can't live in, yet are full of life at the extremes. Let's think of a lion, a seahorse, a tree, grass. Think about the lengths to which all life forms go to recreate and create more life. For all our searches into the skies, all our cold technology that we use to imitate life, we are the living earth, the green planet, the blue planet, but for it, we would not be here. We seem to take that very much for granted today amidst our daily dramas. I'd like to read a bit of an excerpt from uh, a book that I had mentioned before. It's titled Hope Beneath Our Feet, which is uh, an anthology by many writers, uh, respected writers and authors and thinkers of today's world. I had mentioned this before on some previous shows of Our Wild World, and it came up last week with our discussion with Professor Philip Tedeschi. The author states, events that many of us imagined would not threaten children until future generations are occurring even as we sit down to our dinner. For the author, this recognition ushered in a series of sleepless nights. I can relate to that. As he lay awake, as images crowded his mind, the seas filled with more specks of plastic than krill, axes and torches leaving stumps as they progressed through the Amazon rainforest, our lungs of the earth, and much closer to home, fewer and fewer songbirds out there uh, in, around us and on the branches of our own neighborhood trees. A lot of us are grieving over all this loss, and we wonder if what is happening is so what is so utterly different than anything we've experienced in our lifetimes, how do we face such loss? And this is what we talked about with Professor Tedeschi last week. We have a word for this now. We've learned that this is a real disorder for many people today, and it's called nostalgia and psychoteric disorder. And uh, Philip and I discussed this last week, so be sure to tune in and listen to that episode. And what this is, nostalgia and psychoteric, is that overwhelming sense of an inability to deal with where we have gotten ourselves today. So, um, what we try to do here through Our Wild World and through the guests that I bring onto the show is to find a way to navigate through the world we have created and bring back and find some order in this disorder and find a way that we can move forward uh, with a better attitude, with a better feeling, without 
the stress, pressure, and I'm going to say it, depression and nostalgia and psychoteric disorders that we are feeling en masse. So at this point, uh, we're going to take a little break, and I'll be right back. So in uh, the meantime, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Check out our website at www.wildeyes.org. And if you have something you'd like to discuss today or any Monday, please give us a call at 866-472-5788. Thanks, and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back. Today, it is the rare individual indeed who isn't aware of the buzzwords that fill the airwaves and the news. Biodiversity, ecosystem health, trophic cascades, public health and conservation, extinction rates, crises, humanitarian, aid, humane, community, security, catastrophic. But there's also hope and my favorite, miracle. Miracles, those highly improbable or extraordinary events and developments and accomplishments and outstanding examples we are seeing all around us that bring very welcome consequences. As we start a new chapter in history, we are on the brink of tremendous shifts in consciousness and awareness about our relationship to this teeming abundance of life and ever more so, its relationship to us. 
The phrase has been spoken by many, and in many ways, and in many languages, and we now have the evidence of its truth to back it up. Humankind has not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together. All things connect. I have the saying uh, during our breaks and the motto for this foundation and this show, we have only one earth. If we don't care, who will? Well, actually, a lot of organisms and beings do care, but we can't hear their voices, can we? Unless we listen and look at what's going on around us. And what's going on around us, folks, I'm sorry to say, is not a real pretty picture. We are facing unprecedented times uh, in terms of collapse of systems, but every opportunity is also an unprecedented opportunity to make a change. And that's all we have to do. We have to like step out of our personal drama and start working together and start paying attention to, uh, to each other. We have to turn off the electronics, step away from the computer, put down the cell phone, check out of email, write a letter, pick up the phone, and go meet somebody for lunch, lunch and start talking to each other. We've all noticed as we walk down the street or have dinner or lunch in a restaurant that we're not talking to each other much anymore. Uh, I watch people in the restaurants here having lunch together and they're all on their cell phones. And it's like pressing the pause button on the human being when the phone rings. That the human time is less important than the electronic time, the virtual relationships we are creating with our technology. Our technology is fabulous. We have created so many things that do allow us to get deeper into nature, as I said before, and to see things that we have never seen before. But if we depend completely on this technology for our human relationships, well then, we've lost touch. And I think we've lost touch with each other. Uh, I see a lot of anger, frustration, and sadness out there. Uh, you can see it on the news. You can read it in the headlines. You can see it in the programming that we are watching today. I simply can't understand where we took a turn uh, in talking about programming that's available through our cable, news, satellite, TV, where did we take this turn that our programming is about such violence and that the human relationship is something to be laughed at and uh, thought less of, that it's cool to be rude and it's cool to be abusive? Uh, where did we lose the connection that this is what we're teaching our children. It reminds me of work and studies that I've done in East Africa, from East and Central Africa, from war-torn areas and cultures and civilizations that have known nothing but war and civil unrest for generations, 30, 40 years. When you meet children from these areas... Uh, and we all have. There's the Lost Boys from Sudan. There's God Grew Tired of Us, uh, the f- excellent film of uh, some of the Lost Boys coming into the U.S. and trying to restart a life. When we work with children of violence, 
whether it be here in the U.S. or in another country, what we realize is that they have lost respect not only for themselves, but for respect about for everything else around them. And this is what we're doing with the programming that we're watching, with the interface of a virtual relationship that we're creating for ourselves that is the only relationship in many times that many people are taking seriously, then we're, we're losing touch. We're losing touch with nature. If we take a look at the table of contents for 2013 and check the index and footnotes and the bibliography, what might we see? Landmarks, pivots in time, keystone moments and windows of opportunity, roads, paths, and junctions and intersections that are the milestones we will be remembered for. In every footnote of disaster, there is the recipe for hope and the building of miracles. Let's take a deep breath, look at each other and the life around us, and recognize that we are all earthlings. And we can push the reset button. And we can do this with wisdom, compassion, and intelligence that we know we are capable of. We are at the juncture where it is no longer just about us. It is about what if we have put at risk for all stakeholders on planet Earth, human and non-human, for what we're betting on now is our very ability to have a future. In reading of that table of contents, we can see the wistful, hopeful wishes rising like stars into the cosmos, the prayers and blessings like parentheses bracketing each new and passing year. But let us also remember that the headlines of today become tomorrow's birdcage liner. That those things that have survived all living memory, the roar of the lion, the trumpet of an elephant, the great oceans and rivers and mountains, have so far remained immortal. Do we really want to be their epitaph? No, I don't think we do. And that brings me back to looking over the past year of hosting our wild world. I hope to have provided you, my listeners, with food for thought and action from experts, experiences, stories, and evidence that we can use as the building blocks and tools we will need to meet this brave new year head-on and with some style and class. I'm not sure I've really said why I began this program. Our Wild World is a part of Wild Eyes Foundation, of which I am the founder and president. Wild Eyes has celebrated over a decade of making real steps forward with tangible results for wildlife conservation in Africa. When Our Wild World began, it was an opportunity for me to let you and folks around the world know what incredible projects are happening on the ground, from building community capacity to mitigating human and wildlife conflicts. Wild Eyes, in order to do our work, we rely on you, donations from people like you and from the public, which go directly toward real-world effects that really do make a huge difference on the community level, on the ground, and for an individual lives, both people and wildlife across sub-Saharan Africa, and with this show for people around the world. Our donors have helped us to build schools, water wells, and provide material supplies from school books to veterinary and medical supplies. Your support helps provide real security for animals from people and for people from animals through innovative tools for conflict resolution and income generation. In short, with your support, 
We make conservation happen. All of us, not just me, all of us. Although the foundation's focus is Africa, our wild world's focus is global. And your donations help keep our wild world coming to you every Monday. So if you like this program, share it, tweet it, follow us on Facebook, and tune into past episodes. Send us an email. Let us know why our wild world is important to you. Share your stories. Share your ideas. Share what you are feeling. I'm looking forward to hear it. So send us an email at wildize at wildeyes.org or call into our guest listener line at 866-472-5788. I do enjoy hearing from you. It gives me ideas and uh, information to provide more connections for our listeners. From this program's humble beginnings, we now reach a global audience of 10,000 plus listeners from far and wide, from the U.S., U.K., and Europe to Russia, from nations across Africa and Asia, from Near East to the Far East, the United Arab Emirates to Japan, China, and the Philippines. We even have a few listeners from Kazakhstan. Who knew? The growing popularity of this program has been a lesson for me, too. I have learned that there is a hunger in our world to know more, to protect wildlife and wildness, and that it matters. That is a very reaffirming thought as we face these unprecedented times and uncertain futures. My audience assures me that we are fed up with our childish antics and are ready to grow up and take the next steps of responsibility of living on Earth. When you look at the whole of things, we are a relatively young species, but we are old enough to know better. During 2013, Wild Eyes had some headlines of our own. Through our donors' generous support, we were able to distribute more than $200,000 into rhino and elephant protection and research, anti-poaching efforts, and educational efforts. We can see shifts in attitudes and mindsets uh, around the crisis of declining wildlife populations and rising human encroachment into wildlands. We are seeing response from governments and legislators across Africa and the world reaching into Asia to change mindsets, to change attitudes. In terms of elephants and rhino, we are seeing concerted and coordinated efforts to stop the flow and stop the killing, to stop the flow of ivory through the illegal traffic, and to stop uh, the killing of rhino. So we are seeing action, but, you know, we need to do more, and it is each of us and our responsibility to do so. During 2013, we co-produced and funded a short PSA, public service announcement, titled uh, a film titled The Elephant in the Room, which I've talked about previously, and you can go and uh, listen to the archives from the, the crew and the, my co-producers of the film and information about what it, elephants are facing today. That film, Elephant in the Room, launched at the now much-aligned CITE COP16 meeting in Bangkok, and from there, through other collaborations between UNEP and CITES, it went and the Shanghai Municipal Government, an edited version of the PSA, aired in, 
an edited version in Mandarin, excuse me, aired on the Jumbotron, no pun intended, screen in Shanghai Square. And it is now playing in Beijing International Airport. From there, we ended up winning the 2013 Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival Award for Best in Short Shorts. I can tell you that was an unexpected surprise. Jackson Hole Festival is the premier gathering of the best of the best in natural history filmmaking. It was an honor indeed to be recognized by my peers in conservation. Although I am not a filmmaker, it was an honor to be counted and counted for in that uh, amazing group of people. You can see the PSA and the longer version, the behind-the-scenes making of the film, at our website at wildeyes.org and from the link right here on our Voice America homepage. And on that, we'll be right back. It's time to take another short break and stick with us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. 
And welcome back. Right before the break, I was telling you the great news about our little film, The Elephant in the Room, and that its goal is to help change attitudes and mindsets. I recall when the whole thing started and the gentleman, the writer, who came to me with the idea of, let's tell China to stop killing elephants. I asked how he proposed to do this, and from there the idea began to take shape. Originally, he wanted to show the horror, the atrocities, the killing of the elephants, the hacking out of the ivory. And yes, as important as these images are to telling us the truth of what is happening so that we actually get a visceral gut reaction to it, it isn't going to help make friends. Uh, When I told him that our attitude and the way we have to do this film is to reach out to engage China in a way that says China can shift its mindset, then we took the film to a place of what could happen if elephants could come back, if we could bring the dead ones back. The whole goal and point of the film is that when we stop buying, elephants stop dying. So this brings me to an interesting point that a lot of people have brought up to me lately. Uh, the role of media in our world today. Uh, since most of us get our connection and interaction with what is going on around us globally through the media, we need to do a little recheck and assessment that our media is telling us the truth. Uh, in these days where government is run by media campaigns, and our representatives spend the majority of their time campaigning through the media, the internet, and the news, then what is happening to the actual role of government? Uh, I think we're losing a little bit of this. I think we can all tell that things are a bit out of control. Uh, So what's important to me is that our media and our film and our ability to use our technology be a model to highlight the shifting landscape of conservation and a bridge to bring people together rather than to tear us apart. Another surprise, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, in terms of tearing us apart, uh, the media does a really good job of keeping us afraid. Our government's doing a really good job of keeping us afraid. As we go through our daily lives and I talk to people and interact What I hear is fear, and this started probably 12 years ago uh, with a war on terror. Uh, Whether you want to believe in conspiracy, or whether you've watched films such as Zeitgeist, or um, I think it's called uh, Epic, The Turning of an Age, which was a PBS special, there are a lot of layers going on today. And uh, I think our media is keeping a lot of this, and our, and our closed eyes, is keeping us from seeing and connecting all these dots and seeing through the layers to the thread that connects them all. And that thread is we must shift our consciousness. We must make radical changes to face the challenges that not only we have created, but how we're going to deal with it. So if you pay attention to the news, the headlines, and what's going on, uh, as I had said earlier, I think there, it's the rare individual indeed who is not aware 
that things are not good out there, that things, that we are facing tipping points, that we are on the brink of many systems collapse. So what's it going to take? And what is your thought about this shift in consciousness? Consciousness. Do you think it's happening? I do. Uh, when I bring on guests to this show, and we talk about the various aspects, or when I bring uh, in readings from various books that I've uh, enjoyed, then it is there. This shift is happening. Many, many, many people are gearing up. The local organic movement, the slow food, the um, move toward whole foods and plant-based uh, diets, and getting away from eating animal protein. The petitions and uh, various movements out there to stop having circuses uh, with animals in them. Uh, the, the movement toward bringing open and shining a light on the concentrated agricultural food lots, known as CAFOs, where we grow our food. We have uh, somewhere along the line in our industrialized age uh, hidden our processes away from us. We've Why? Why have we done this? Why? What sensibilities do we have that are so sensitive and so out there that we need to hide this from ourselves. And in hiding it from ourselves, we have ruined things. Uh, We're taking it away from us and we're giving it away to someone, the corporate identity, the corporate personhood where the buck never stops. So it's important that we uh, regain this, I don't want to call it control, but we re- regain this connection to each other, to our food, and to our processes. Industrialization is great. It has brought us so many riches and wealth. But that riches and wealth comes from this earth. And if we continue to use it up at the rate which we are currently doing, then it's not going to last us. And that means we won't last so, folks, you got to put this together. If you want to survive, and you want to have children who survive, and we want to keep on going beyond 2014, 2015, in a world that is intact, that still has pristine and, uh, pristine and primeval forests, places that are untouched by us, wildness, wilderness, wildlife then we better get our act together and start realizing that in order to keep it, we have to decide how we're going to use it and stop using it all up just for us. And when I say us, I typically mean our Western model of consumption. Uh, The unfortunate part about our Western model of consumption, well, there's so many unfortunate parts, but uh, not only is it hurting us, and keeping us from understanding what we're doing to the very earth we walk upon. But we don't pay the price immediately. The people that do pay the price are those that are not uh, as developed as, as, or as industrialized as we are. They are paying the price. So the effects that we are creating are rippling across the world and affecting those areas and creating poverty in other places, creating the loss of wilderness and biodiversity in other places. So one of the things that's so incredible about Africa and the work that I do and the wildlife that's there is that 
it's there. There is rarely a place in the wildlife-rich areas across sub-Saharan Africa that you can go and not see the big five. Uh, elephant, lion, leopard, rhino, and Cape buffalo. And they're called the big five because of the hunting is industry, which is basically what all wildlife conservation is now based from. So years ago, a couple hundred years ago, when the whites, quote-unquote, discovered the deep, dark continent of Africa and started to exploit its interior for the purposes of colonial and other governments, then we started uh, bringing in the hunters. There was magnificent herds of wildlife never before seen anywhere, except maybe uh, a relationship to the caribou, and uh, in Alaska, and the bison on our Great Plains. So we all know what happened to the bison here, and that's what's happening to Africa's wildlife. We are at a point in time where we have to make decisions of whether we want wilderness and wildlife or whether we don't, because we're heading to that point that has been talked about for 20 years, but now it's happening. We are in real danger, real uh, certainty of losing, of losing elephants, lions, polar bears, rhinos. It's happening, folks. So it's up to us to decide how we want to go about doing this. So get engaged, read, uh, take part, participate. Another exciting point that happened uh, in 2013 is uh, I was called by the producer of RTTV, Russian television out of New York, to be interviewed by Abby Martin on Breaking the Set to discuss this drastic increase in the decline of elephant and rhino through poaching and international wildlife crime. Even odder still when a friend in Nebraska called me and told me he just saw me on TV. And then there's this program again, Our Wild World and the amazing guest hosts that join me to highlight a variety of topics and issues. So from Vanity Fair, to highlight some of our, our points from 2013, we had Vanity Fair contributor and photographer Guillaume Bon, who is picking up a project taking from Peter Beard's end of the game to a new, uh, to highlight the track of the last 50 years of what is happening and is it game over or will we continue the game? From Guillaume Bond to uh, National Geographic filmmaker John Hemingway, uh, from poet and filmmaker Cyril Christo to D Dr. Max Graham and Space for Giants, from LifeNet Nature and Maasai Cultural Heritage to Wildlife Law Enforcement to Public Health. As distinguished filmmaker and adventurer J.J. Kelly said after listening to our episode with U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and I quote, I thoroughly enjoyed today's show. You're delivering content that I didn't even know was being produced. Fabulous work, and please keep it up. So, coming from a producer at National Geographic Television, that certainly says we're doing something right. So, this is how we can use media. I think this is one of the great things about Voice America and this particular channel, Variety Channel, is the ability to bring in content that you can't find anywhere else. I hope to be a voice that helps connect the dots. I do my research. I'm reading every day. I'm going on the net. I'm following the links that my Facebook friends send me, joining other groups and discussing what's going on in the world and how we can stop or change. 
uh, our activities. So my point and my goal is to put all that together into a weekly show and bring it to you. And I think it's working. So on that note, we're going to take another little break. Stick with us and we'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back. To go back to that point and that question, are we shifting consciousness? Is the paradigm shifting? Yes. I think it is. So that is a great note to head into 2014. So if we, if we go back to, for a moment, to that index and table of contents of 2013 and look at some of the realities and those benchmarks that we passed that we really need to revisit and learn from to move forward into 2014 and a healthier uh, relationship with our Earth. Finally, the UK Guardian's 2013 Year in Review reported that wildlife crime was the biggest headline. It escalated from a conservation issue to an international security issue. That's big news, folks. Unfortunately, 2013 will be remembered for this, but 2014, we can be remembered for doing something about it. 
Wildlife crime is the large-scale illegal trade and trafficking, the illegal farming and harvesting of wildlife through the dark alleys of cartels. It is not only removing endangered species from the planet at an alarming rate, the killings and losses are speeding up extinctions for these species. Wildlife crime and trafficking is economically parallel to big oil, big pharma, drugs, guns, and human trafficking. It is the dark underbelly of our times and able to remain hidden for so long because it's rarely reported on, as it highlights just how ill-equipped our wildlife law enforcement uh, ability is to respond and act. But the good news, this is changing. Investing in infrastructure and training for both law enforcement and legislative personnel, we are equipping on-the-ground forces to meet, I'm going to say it, fire with fire, uh, to stop these cartels and highlight who is behind it and bring them to justice. So with uh, some guests that we had a few weeks ago from the International Fund of Animal Welfare and Tigers for Tigers, we're learning what is being done to change this consciousness and the people who whose consciousness has shifted and are taking action. So once again, the media's role is to highlight for us what really is going on and then it is our job to do something about it, to step away from our personal drama, hook up, connect, and do something about it. We can walk into 2014 with a positive uh, attitude and say, no more, this is going to stop. So the point here is that I like to bring you headlines and connect the dots between experts, commentary, experiences, and stories. With our guest Julian Rademeyer and his investigative report, Killing for Profit, and National Geographic's Blood, Ivory, and Battle for the Elephants, both, excuse me, not both, all three shocked the world. Though many in conservation and national security and the wildlife services around the world are very aware of all this that's going on, the increase in illegal trafficking, the loss of our species, the media took a while and some convincing to pick up the threads and deliver the story. But by golly, once they did, the message did get out loud and clear. Now, barely a day goes by that you cannot find a story somewhere about the wildlife and crises we are facing. 600 elephants killed here, more poison there, tons of ivory being seized, and now, thank goodness, the headlines are filled with arrests and sentencing of the kingpins behind this, uh, these cartels. What we can remember to do as we head into this new year is to put the daily routine of our individual lives and drama into the larger context of our world. Take good long looks and address our habits and behavior. With the ease for which everything is available for sale, rent, or lease at our fingertips, we will need to question why. What do we really need? Sure, it's a lot easier to think that all this is being thought about and taken care of by somebody, somewhere. To make sure this stuff doesn't happen. Newsflash, this is you and me. We are all somebody. We are each able and responsible. And it's going to take all of us participating on all levels of our daily lives and asking questions and searching for the truth to pay attention to our actions and where we can make changes. A good New Year's resolution is to tally up your personal footprint, and see how you can make it smaller. There are thousands upon thousands of organizations, businesses, books, and people that are going local, slowing down, and deaccelerating. There are thousands of books and sites on the Internet that we can turn to for help in how to do this. All we have to have is the will and the willpower 
to make the effort and make it stick. We wish for a simpler time, then all we have to do is simplify. Time hasn't changed, and we cannot make an hour last more than 60 minutes. What we can do is determine how we spend that hour. We decide what our priorities are. If we look back upon the last few years and the high watermarks of 2013, of which there were plenty, both literally and figuratively, we can see our priorities must be in renewing our connection to nature. Gradually, somehow, we tacitly accepted and agreed on a virtual reality that always needs to be a life-or-death, risk-around-every-corner relationship and interaction with nature, at least if you believe what you see on TV and the web and the news. In reality, though, such interactions are rare occasions and typically to be avoided. When they do happen, they are usually due to human error in mistaking that nature is like the virtual reproduction. So when that danger in ordinary nature doesn't happen on cue, that something isn't always happening center stage, we push the boundaries. We tend to make it happen. Take a look at all the videos available through the web. The onlooker who for some reason believes the warnings are not real or does not include that person. At zoos, they climb over barriers, go under change, ignore signage, fall into exhibits, all which put them at high risk for an encounter with something or someone they are wholly unprepared to deal with. We used to know this connection. We used to feel it within our very bones. We know now that our connection and relationship to animals is as old as our species. We used to worship them for what they provided us. Now we are headed on a course of industrializing them for our needs alone. This isn't working out so well for us either or for them. We highlight the shift in our understanding that our relationship to our animals and animals that are are either our family, our pets, or wildlife is critical to our well-being, that in many instances we accept them and know them to be members of our family and even our children. We know now that how we treat animals from cradle to grave is not only a reflection of who and what we are, but will begin to open doors to tremendous and continuous shifts in thinking, attitude changes and mindsets, and the ramifications and consequences that can happen as a result of these changes. In 2013, landmark cases and the headlines around major shifts, many call it victories, and how we define this relationship to our non-human neighbors and what makes a person, person. Our previous definition allotted certain guaranteed rights and privileges to persons, people. But as we learn more about the complex societies, cultures, and emotional lives of other mammals that we live with, both terrestrial and marine, we will have to adjust our definition that personhood goes beyond being human, that in many cases it is, as Temple Grandin writes, animals make us human. We have gone through most of our history thinking that we are separate, basing our justifications and definitions by our differences. What we are learning, though, though, through research, publications, evidence, and science, is that we can learn a lot more by studying the things we have in common with animals, the crossovers where human and animal meet. That brought us to a new term that was coined this year, zubiquity, where cardiologist uh, Barbara Natterson Horowitz was called to, a a heart surgeon, was called to consult on an unusual patient, an emperor tamarin. 
While examining the tiny monkey's sick heart, she learned that wild animals can die of a form of cardiac arrest brought on by extreme emotional stress. It was a syndrome identical to human conditions, but one that veterinarians called by a different name and treated in innovative ways. As we continue on and launch and find these parallels between our lives and the lives of animals, we will continue to shift this consciousness consciousness that is inclusive of our wild world and that we are a part, uh, excuse me, a part of it. We're making ourselves a very big part of it, but we have to decrease our footprint and become a little less uh, selfish. I think that's a really good word. So as we head into 2014, I uh, wish you a very happy, happy new year. And to think about that we need to remember that we need each other and that we need this world. And that when we put our minds to it, we can make anything happen. And that is certainly something to look forward to. So on that note, I wish you a very happy new year. This is Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World, and we'll be back next year. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.